it is, it is good to see you all here. I, I love Easter. Uh, it is the uh, one time of year when I wear a tie and a coat. And so what's fun about it, I am like just sweating like a dog wearing this thing. I forgot what it's like to wear a coat. But uh, we're glad that you're here today. Today we're going to be looking at uh, a great passage of Scripture which deals with Easter, which makes sense. And so if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, we're, today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 24. And we're going to look in verse number 13 in just a, in just a few moments. Now, uh, while you're doing that, as, as many of you know, we are involved. If you're a sports fan, probably the biggest thing happening right now, it is March Madness. Now, uh, I know that as we have been, uh, some of us have watched March Madness, and I know that if you're, if you're a Gamecock fan, you had really high hopes for the women's team. Don't know what happened there, but that was just like very disappointing. But there's the, they're coming into the final four now. And so next week, there's going to be four teams vying for the national championship. And what's happened is it started out with, what, 60, 68 teams started out the tournament. And so over the last couple of weeks, they've whittled it down to four teams. And so what we're discovering through this tournament is we're discovering you know, who the pretenders were. And we're finding out which teams are like the real deal. And so that's one of the great things about March Madness. It separates those who are pretenders and those who are the real deal. Now, of course, today we are celebrating Easter. And in many ways, Easter, uh, it really brings everything to a head, especially that very first Easter. It helped, it helped delineate who the pretenders were and, and who was the real deal. Now, Easter didn't just begin 2,000 years ago with just the resurrection of Jesus. What happened is it began with the birth of Jesus. And it had, the birth of Jesus happened in Bethlehem. And as you read throughout the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus was a guy who got a lot of attention because he was an incredible, he's an incredible teacher. It says that the people, when they would listen to him, they were amazed by his teaching because he was one who taught as having authority. And then, to top it off, I mean, he would go places and he'd perform miracles. And, and it mesmerized the crowds. I mean, anytime you can take, you know, five loaves of bread and two fish, and you can, you can feed anywhere from fifteen to 20,000 people, and then you can go to a man who's been born blind, and you can touch him, and then all of a sudden he can see. I mean, do you think that's, like, newsworthy? I mean, you think people are like, man, we got to see a guy like this. And so as people watched Jesus, and they saw what he was doing, they began to think, this guy is the real deal. They began to say, this man, he very well could be the one who gives us hope. He has a promise for us. He could be our great deliverer. He could give us freedom. And so all these great things are swirling about Jesus until the cross. And then whenever the cross happened, Jesus died. And whenever he died, people's dreams and people's hopes went with his death, and there were a lot of people who looked at Jesus, and they began to think he wasn't the real deal, but instead he was simply a pretender. But the unfortunate thing for them was that they made their judgment about three days too early. And so today what we're going to see in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see two guys who, who basically had come to a point, a conclusion, that Jesus was just a pretender, we're going to see that because of the resurrection, there were some lessons that they were about to learn. And, it, and it's my hope that as we look in Luke chapter 24, in verse 13 and the verses following, that we're going to learn some very critical and important lessons as well. So, so what lessons can we learn 
from a couple of guys who witnessed the death of Jesus. Well, let's start off by looking at the first lesson that we can learn. The very first lesson these men that we're going to look at in our text today that they learned was that they learned that perception is not reality. Perception is not reality. And I want to start off by reading verse number 13. It says, Now that same day two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself, and this is the resurrected Jesus, says Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Uh, there's a, an old story, and I, I love this story. Um, Janie, I'm sorry, you've heard this story before. But in this story, there's, a, there's a, a family, they were farmers, they lived way out in the country, and they had some kids, and their kids, they knew they were not going to take over the farm. And so they said, we've got to expose them to city life, so they'll get used to it, see what it's like. And so they, they went to the city, they got a hotel room, and they'd never been in one before, uh, to a hotel. And so they walked in the hotel, and they're looking around the lobby, and they check in, and the lady says, listen, your room is going to be on, on the 19th floor. And so they said, okay. So they said, well, she said, now to get there, you have to take the elevator up. Now, they, they'd never been on an elevator before. And so it's kind of a strange feeling for them. So they walk over to the elevator, and they stand there, and they, they see people uh, walking over there. And then the door opens up, and they, they see that it's going up. There's an arrow pointing up, but they don't know what to do because they've never been on an elevator. And there's a, an elderly lady that's standing there, and she has her cane, and she looks at them. They don't move, so she hobbles onto the elevator, and she turns around, and she pushes the button, and then they see the door shut. And so the whole family's just standing there wondering what's going on. So the door shuts, and about a minute later, the door opens up again. And a beautiful lady walks off of the elevator. The husband looks over at his son and very quietly says, did you just see that? He goes, yeah, what in the world? He says, son, we got to get your mama on that elevator. <laughs> now, what the guy eventually was going to learn was that even though his wife was going to get on that elevator, you know, perception, it is not always reality. And, and the same thing is true in just about every area of life. It's true spiritually. The, the men in our text, you know, the perception was not reality for them either. You see, their perception was that Jesus was gone. Their perception was that Jesus had died, that he could no longer make a difference. And so my encouragement is, is to get you to begin to look for Jesus in your life, to begin to look and see where he might be. And I know that sometimes we, we look at life and we see some of the difficulties that we go through in life. And, and we know people who have prayed and we, we ask for God to move and to intervene and to make things different. And, and then we, we step back and, and nothing happens. And then we wonder, well, what's going on? And, and our perception is that God's not anywhere around. And our perception is that, that God, if He is around, that He really doesn't have any power to be able to intervene and do anything. And in a sense, that's where these two men were that are being talked about. As they are walking along the road, they don't see Jesus anywhere. And the perception was that Jesus couldn't do anything for them. He couldn't do anything for them because with their own eyes, they had witnessed Jesus go on trial. 
They had witnessed Jesus be beaten with whips. They, they'd witnessed Jesus have a crown of thorns shoved onto his head. They, they had witnessed Jesus have nails driven into his, into his hands and into his feet. They had witnessed Jesus have a spear that was rammed into his side to make sure that he was truly dead. So their perception was that Jesus was gone. And I understand that. You see stuff like that, you think, yeah, well, well where is God? The perception was that Jesus was no longer with them. They had heard Jesus on the cross cry out and say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so I think it's easy to understand why the, why the followers of Jesus at this time were tremendously confused and they were wondering, well, what was the significance of Jesus' life in the first place if the only thing that was going to happen to him was that he's going to end up on a cross? And you might have the same question. Sort of trudging along through life. Nothing really exciting happening. Maybe just a lot of disappointments, a lot of dreams that kind of go by the wayside and we wonder, where is Jesus? Now let me ask you a question. As these two men were walking along, discussing what had happened, where was Jesus in this story? He was walking right there with them. He was walking beside them. Even though their perception was that Jesus was nowhere to be found, I find it interesting that Jesus was walking with them. And my, my encouragement for you is I want you to know that even whenever there are things that are happening in your life that you don't understand, when there are things that happen in life that are not fair, and I'm here to tell you there's stuff that will happen in life that's not fair, I want to give you a word of encouragement to let you know that according to Scripture, that Jesus is walking with you today. The question is, do you recognize him? And the two men in our text, they, they didn't recognize him. They didn't think he could any longer make a difference. But they just weren't looking for Jesus. And so I want to, I want to challenge you and to encourage you that even as you struggle in life, just to be looking for Jesus, to look to where Jesus might be moving in your life because Jesus gave a promise to those who follow him. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think that's a very important lesson that these men in our text that they learned, and that is that perception is not reality. But they also learned another lesson, and that is that feelings are not fact. Just because you might feel something does not mean that it's true. Now, let me, let me give you an example through our text today. If in verse number, let's see, in verse number 17, it says, and then, they, and then he asked them, this is Jesus talking to the two men on the road, he said, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And notice the response here. It says, as, and, and they stopped walking, and they looked discouraged. In other words, they, when it says they looked discouraged, it means they put their heads down. And then one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happen here in these days? What things, he asked them. And so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. 
Now, whenever Jesus saw these men walking along the road, it says that Jesus walked up to them and Jesus asked them a question. And he asked them, Hey, what is it that you two guys are what is it you two guys are talking about? And the way they responded is interesting. It says they were discouraged and they hung their heads. They were discouraged and they hung their heads. Now, why did they do that? Because their hope had died on the cross. They were disappointed. Matter of fact, I would say that they were, they were heartbroken because their dream of Jesus died on that cross. Now, if you look in verse number 19, you see how devastating this was for them. In verse number 19, they said that Jesus was a prophet who was powerful in word and deed. They went on to say that we were hoping that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. Now, there's something to notice about what they were saying. They are speaking of Jesus in the past tense. You see that? We hoped that's who Jesus was. We were thinking that he would redeem Israel. What does that tell us? It tells us that they thought Jesus was done. I mean, that was their feeling. They thought that he was no longer living. They hoped he would be the one who would do this. See, their, their hope was that they, they were hoping to regain control of their own country again. And they thought Jesus was going to be a military leader. And I don't have any problem looking at these guys and, and for them having that feeling. And they're just disappointed. You know, what, what they were believing in came to a crashing halt on the cross. And I, and I really can't blame them, so to speak, because I've felt that way before. Have you ever hoped in something with all your heart and, and then it didn't come true? Have you ever had dreams and visions of greatness and then just like circumstances sort of intervened and then you're like God, it's never gonna happen you know when things like that happen it is devastating and what Satan wants to do in those times I really believe this is that he wants to use those situations in our life where we begin to feel victimized by God like God is is aloof and as though God doesn't have any power to intervene into our lives and yet way too many of us, we are placing our hopes and our dreams and our trust in our feelings instead of in fact, instead of in the promises of God. And I'll hear people tell me, man, whenever you're making that decision, just go with what you feel. Go with your gut feeling. You know, whenever you make that decision, just go with your heart. And I've never really known what that meant. Just go with your heart. Go with your gut. Because that is not good advice. Because your feelings change. They change from day to day. Man, sometimes they change from minute to minute. Am I right? You know, some of you, I feel really good right now. And then somebody cuts you off on the road. I'm ready to murder somebody. You don't want to ever base your decisions off of your feeling. Don't ever go with your heart. What the Bible says about your heart, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Do not make your feelings the guide for your life. Uh, a number of years ago, there was a guy named, I, you might, some of you are going to probably remember this guy. His name was Jim Fix. He wrote a book on like the complete guide of running. It was a bestseller in 1978. My dad had that book. My dad actually got in this uh, little time in his life whenever he began to run. And Jim Fix started running, and man, he, he would run 80 miles a week in great shape. 
I mean, he was 52 years old. You'd look at him and go, man, that guy, that guy is going to live forever. But something happened to him on a road as he was jogging in Vermont. Any of y'all remember what happened? He died of a heart attack running. Shocker. To this day, my uncle says, that is the reason I do not run. That's his excuse. If you run, it will kill you. Um, so, so what happened? His wife was interviewed, and she said, Jim would never go in for a checkup because he felt great. He thought he was okay because he simply felt good. Guys, let me tell you something. Feelings are deceitful. You don't want to ever base your life off of your feelings. Instead, you want to base your life and your decisions, and we are in the church today, you want to base your decisions in life off of truth. And we believe, I believe, that the truth is found in Scripture. It's found in God's Word. And even whenever I don't understand what Scripture says, I am called to trust it. Why? Because God's bigger than me. God's smarter than I. Y'all, if I could explain everything in life, then we're in trouble. That means God's not very big. But Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my, not, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, just because you might feel alone does not mean it's a fact. Just because you feel like you've been betrayed by everybody does not mean that it's a fact. Just because you feel like that there's no hope in your circumstances or your situations, let me share something with you. That does not mean that it's a fact. That's how these men in our text felt. But where was Jesus? He was walking with them. He was right beside them the entire time. These men learned some important lessons. They, they learned that perception is not reality. They, they learned that feeling is not fact. And then this is the last thing that these men were to learn that I hope that I learned as well and that you too. And that is that God's word is true. That when God makes a promise, he keeps his promises. Now I'm going to read to you from our, our last verses starting in verse number 22. It says, Moreover, and this is the two men speaking on the road. She said, why are you discouraged? And so they share, began to share. And they said, moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they'd seen a vision of an angel who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but, but they didn't see him. And so Jesus said to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now what had happened is these men, they knew Jesus had died on the cross, and then there were some ladies, three days later, they went to the tomb of Jesus in order to embalm his body. And when they went there, were they in for a surprise? They get there, and Jesus is no longer there. And they said, we, we saw an angel. And the angel told us, he is not here, for he has risen. So they come out, and they report it to these men. Now, now what did the men do with these words? They, they did not believe them. Now, it's easy, you know, from our day and our perspectives, we look in Scripture and go, I cannot believe they did not believe this. 
how could they not believe what's in the Bible? But from a human perspective, I get it. I mean, can you, can you imagine? I mean, just think about it. If you went to a funeral, you went to Jim's, I said, you got him Jim's funeral. And then after the funeral's over, a couple days pass, and then, you know, one of your friends calls, man, you remember, you remember Jim's funeral? Yeah, I saw Jim out today. He's playing golf. He's risen from the grave. Now, are you going to believe that? Or are you going to think, those people are absolutely out of their mind, and they're crazy. That, that would have been very easy for these men to say, we don't believe these ladies, but they should have believed they should have believed it because of who Jesus was. If you go back into the earlier part of our scripture, who do they believe Jesus was? They said, we believed he was a prophet. You know what the criteria of a prophet is? That anytime he prophesies something, it will be 100% accurate. If it's not, that means he's not from God. Now, did Jesus ever prophesy about anything? Well, he did. One of the prophecies he mentioned was that he was going to conquer death. Matter of fact, we're told in Matthew 16, 21, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, what did he say? What did he say? Be raised to life. That's what Jesus said. Yeah, he gets even more specific. Matthew 17, 22 and 23, Jesus said, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. He prophesied that this was going to happen. He said, I will be betrayed. I will be in Jerusalem. I will suffer. I will die. And he said, and I will get up on the third day. That's why Jesus chided these two men in verse number 25 when he saw them said, why didn't you believe? He said, I said it was going to happen. Yeah, I remember the very first Easter service we had at Village Church. Uh, at the time, my oldest son, Hank, was seven years old. He was sitting next to Emily. I was, you know, when you're talking about Easter, you talk about Easter. And I talked about the disciples. They didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the grave. And Emily told me, said, Hank leaned over to her and said, that's silly. Why wouldn't they believe it? Jesus said he was going to do it. I love kids. He just said, Jesus said it, therefore it is true. Guys, God's word's true. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. You know, the older we get and the more sophisticated we get, the harder it is for so many of us to believe. And yet God tells us when I say something, I keep my word. Don't you hate it whenever you know something's true and you try to share it with somebody and they refuse to listen to you and they just won't believe you? Any of y'all ever experienced? How many of y'all are parents in here? Parents, yeah? There's a lot of parents. In the first, we had three parents apparently only in the first service. There's a lot of parents in here. You know this from fact. You can tell your children until you're blue in the face certain things, and they ain't going to believe it until when? Until they experience it for themselves. I tell my kids all the time. I can tell them until I'm blue in the face. Let me tell you something. As you drive, if you drive on Trenum Road, if you drive on Forest Drive, you will be pulled over if you're going a half a mile over the speed limit. Y'all ever driven over there? They are crazy. They will pull you over for barely going over the speed limit. And tell your kids that all the time. They don't believe you. Until when? Until they're going half a mile over the speed limit and they get pulled over. 
Now, you can, now, I look at Jesus. Jesus tells his disciples until he's blue in the face, I'm going to get up. I'm going to conquer death. And yet, they did not believe him. And there's some of us, and there are things that happen in our lives, we think, I don't believe it. When Jesus says that he can bring me peace, yeah, I don't believe it. Whenever Jesus says that he can bring restoration into my life, whenever Jesus says that he can forgive me of my sin, man, I don't believe that. And what Satan does, and I really believe that Satan can use those feelings of doubt in our lives to make us feel like we are being victimized by God. But then I see that these men, their lives turned around when Jesus pointed out to them, you guys are saying all these things, and yet here I am. And it says, when they saw Jesus, their faith was set on fire. Because they had seen the resurrected Jesus. Now guys, let me ask you a question. Would you like your faith to be set on fire? I mean, would you, would you like to know and have that experience in your heart that when God says something that it's true, are you ready to rejoice in your faith instead of living your faith in doubt, living your life wondering and even not even believing anymore that God is with you? See, there's some lessons that were learned in this story. These men learned some very important lessons. They learned that perception is not reality. Feeling is not fact. And God's word is true. And so with that, in closing, I'm asking you a question. What kind of faith do you have in Jesus? I mean, what do you believe about him? Do you believe that whenever he says that he is the son of God, do you believe that's true? Do you believe that whenever Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, do you believe that? Do you believe that when, when the scripture tells us that Jesus went to the cross and he died for our sins and then three days later he rose from the grave, do you, do you believe that? Do you trust that? Because let me tell you something, until you trust that, you will not experience the peace and the power of God in your life. And, and that doesn't mean that everything works out perfectly for you. There are times when things happen and I don't get it. But I'm trying to get to a place in my life where I say, God, I don't understand what's happening right now, but God, I am going to believe you anyway. And I'm just simply going to hope in you. Because when it comes down to it, he is our only hope. And I know from experience, and many of you know from experience, that when you trust Jesus, he brings peace. That when you trust Jesus, that you experience his power. And it's probably time for some of us to trust in that power today. To trust in who Jesus is. And believe that he lived, that he died, and that he rose from the grave.